For this evening, we thank you for this opportunity we have to come before you. Thank you for our brothers and sisters leading us to the throne of grace. You promised where two or three are gathered together, you are there. So you are here with all the angels. The glorious heavens have met earth as we have praised you together. What a wonderful thing. What a glorious thing. So, Lord, tonight we thank you for this opportunity to be together. And we thank you for your mercy and your grace and your provision. You truly are our shepherd. And we thank you for all that you do for us. So, Lord, tonight we pray for those who are suffering. While we're praying now, I want you to, perhaps you know someone who is suffering because of sin in their life or someone who's suffering because of righteousness. Jeremiah said, My eyes fail because of tears. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is poured out on the earth because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. So let's pause and present those that we're all thinking about tonight who... Maybe someone in your family, maybe a friend, maybe someone at work, maybe a stranger that you've met. Maybe the world conditions around us that you see on the news, something is the suffering around us. As Christians, we pray and intercede for those who are suffering. So Heavenly Father, we don't want to be hard-hearted. We want to be tender-hearted. We don't want to look away from pain and suffering. We want to do what you did when you saw suffering and pain all around you every day of your ministry on the earth. You went and helped those who were in the deepest of sorrows and pains, from sickness to demon possession to unbelief. You were there. We pray, Lord, for those around us many of whom are under the judgment of God tonight. You've given them over because they refuse to believe, but there's always grace for them, and we pray for them that you'd have mercy and show grace to them that they might be saved. For others who are believing friends around the world who suffer tonight, and believers who suffer here, for the name of Jesus, we pray for our brothers and sisters who suffer for the sake of the gospel and for their testimony. We pray for those who, have, who are alone now, who've lost their, their dear mates, many in our church, we pray for them. So we present all of these, the creation is even groaning because of the horror of sin and what is done to the world creation and to mankind in the snares of the evil one. And we call for you to have mercy and show your grace strong through the Lord Jesus Christ and through your church. We ask Heavenly Father that you would truly help us to not turn our face away from suffering and these hard subjects, but may we face them May we be real Christians. May we deal with it in our own lives as it comes and 
May we help our brothers and sisters with it as it comes. And those who would refuse our help, may we try. So we pray that you'd bless the reading of your word tonight. And we ask that you'd help us as we fellowship around your world. And we thank you for all that's going on tonight around this church house and these these this campus. Thank you for all the ministries and all of our pastors and all of our teachers and everyone who's worked so hard to prepare to share the gospel and teach the truth to our youngest ones all the way to seniors. What a blessing. May we never forget these days. They don't last forever. So thank you, Lord. It is good for us to be together. Now we look forward to hearing what you have to say to us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, find your place in Lamentations chapter 3. We continue to work our way through thinking about God and our suffering. I also want to mention this to you. And I'm going to leave these up here and the camera's on and, and the camera can see this. And on the website, this is here. But Sunday, November the 20th, this goes right along with what we're talking about, about suffering. And I, these are just some uh, handouts and I'll leave them here on the table. Uh, if you know someone who... Um, uh, look, holiday time is a hard time and suffering is real. And uh, so we, we do in our church what's called grief share. And uh, I would encourage you, if you know somebody who, uh, the Sloans, God bless the Sloans, uh, Maria and John Roy, they've done this for many years. They are, our, they are just a blessing to us all. This is their real ministry. Grief share, surviving the holidays. And uh, I... I would just tell you that the Sloans have been doing this grief share ministry for a long time. They are, they are those like all of us who are acquainted with great grief in their own life. And um, I would encourage you, if you know somebody, pass this along to them and let them know and perhaps they could come and join us. They don't have to be a church member. We would, we're, we're glad to do this for anybody. It'll be in room C, uh, 101 to 105, and, and it'll be a, a blessing uh, this Sunday from 2 to 5. So there you have it. All right, some of you are new with us and you're with us and uh, I'm glad we haven't emptied out the church house. I, I didn't know how things were going to go with this. Someone uh, caught me in the hall the other day and said, I hear you're preaching on suffering on Wednesday night. Yes, you've heard right. So here we are uh, without apology. Because the Word of God forces us to look at everything that is real. And I will tell you, you know tonight, uh, without any news broadcast, suffering is real. Suffering is real. I try each week in these Bible studies to give you three key passages. Lamentations is so emotional, it is so powerful. We read chapter 2 last week, which is, which is a continuation of God's judgment, sadly, on Jerusalem and on Israel for their unfaithfulness and their disobedience and unwillingness to repent of their sins. I pick out verse number 13 of chapter 2 because here, here's, here's this. Remember, this is, these are lamentations. These, are, this, these, are, uh, these chapters are five uh, and, and the third one, we're going to be in chapter 3 a while now for a few weeks. Uh, but uh, these are five funeral lamentations. 
the, it's the ancient way that the world, the, the, it's the ancient way in which you deal with suffering, which we don't understand. So tonight we talk about holy lament and suffering. In order for me to deal with suffering in my life, I must learn to lament. I must learn holy lament. Last week we talked about a very important matter. We talked about how your heart must be burdened for those who are suffering around you. The Christian is one who, uh, this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah. These are the lamentations of Jeremiah. If you begin uh, at the beginning of this book, you see it, the lamentations. The holy man of God is lamenting for sinners that he preached to throughout 52 chapters in Jeremiah leading up to this devastating time of the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, the, the loss of the law, no more of the, of the things of God being done, priests gone, everything gone, the city is in ruins, horrible, terrible things are happening to innocent children all across these streets, and Babylon's hauling off some to captivity. I bring it to your mind tonight to say, look, here's the, the clinical world says, look, you can solve your suffering. You don't have to always feel bad. You can, uh, you can overcome it. All these little happy talks and happy things that come from the world. The reality is that the book of Lamentations, as I'm repeating myself, not everybody's here every week, forces you to look at suffering as a real thing. You don't turn away. Don't turn away. That's why I repeated to you the words that we read in chapter 1, verse 12. Is it nothing to you all who pass this way? Is it nothing to you? When you hear about the suffering of people, pick it whether it's children or adults, in whatever their circumstances and however it was caused, is it anything to you? You must answer that question. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, it troubles us when we see suffering and misery. And so we read these words in chapter 2. I put it at the top of your page, verse 13. How shall I admonish you? To what shall I compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? To what shall I liken you as I comfort you, a virgin daughter of Zion, for your ruin is as vast as the sea. Who can heal you? You see, suffering brings more questions than answers. As I mentioned to you last week, when Pat and I were ministering to our friend who lost their dear child who was run over by a car, sometimes you just go and you sit with them. You don't, have to, you don't say anything. When people are in the depths of their suffering, they don't need you to come and give them a Bible lesson. Suffering brings more questions than answers. And Christians are uncomfortable not giving an answer. When those who are lost in the world stand before us and shame us somehow and say, if you have a God who loves, why does he allow these things to happen? Suffering brings more questions than answers. 
And that's what we have in the book of Lamentations. We need the book of Lamentations to live the real Christian life. So it opens differently. I've mentioned to you before that each of these, a, a lament in the Old Testament starts with the word how. So you, in chapter 1, verse 1, how lonely. It's, it's a phrase, it, it's a poetic phrase. This is poetry, Hebrew poetry. How means, how can this be? How could this have happened? How lonely sits the city that was full of people, Jerusalem. Chapter 2, how the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud of his anger. But then we come to chapter 3. This is the lament, the personal holy lament of Jeremiah. This is his lament. This is not a lament for the people in their suffering and sin. This is his lament. And I say to you all in your suffering, whatever it is, whatever it has been, and I'm your pastor and I love you in Jesus, but you'll all live long enough that you'll say just what Jeremiah says here, and you can already say it. Chapter 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction. So I stand before you and testify. I am the man that has seen affliction. I could go around this room tonight. I am the man or woman who has seen affliction. I have seen it. I have experienced it. I have felt it. And I will throughout my entire life. There is this false teaching in the church that when you get saved, you'll just be happy all the time. It is such heresy. It's such a lie. It causes great harm. I've, I've sat with people in my ministry who really believed that if they came to Jesus and repented of their sins, they'd never have another problem. I'm not, I'm not, being, I'm not joking. That is horrible, terrible teaching. That produces in people an expectation that is not real. For frankly, the greatest of suffering many times goes on among God's people and in God's people. There are no questions for suffering. It's in the hands of God. And now we see it. I am a man, I am the man who has seen affliction. Before you read the rest of the verse, please, I'm, I'm, I'm causing you, I want you to pause here. I am the man who has seen Oni, is the Hebrew word. I am, I am the man who has seen Oni, misery. That's the word, misery. I am the person who has seen misery. We've seen these words about affliction from the beginning. I'll just take you back. You can thumb, thumb back in your Bible and look at these. Uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Judah has gone into exile under ani, under misery, under affliction. Verse number 7. In the days of her ani and homelessness, Jerusalem remembers all her precious things that were from the days of old. Misery 
in her misery she remembers. And then in verse number 9, her uncleanness is in her skirt. She did not consider her future. Therefore, notice this is what you do when you sin against God and you don't care what God says. She did not consider her future. She never thought about the consequences of what she was going to do in her sin against God, that is Israel. She has no comforter, and here the, the cry breaks out, See, O Lord, my Ani, my affliction. So now we come to what the Lord Jesus said. He said, I am a man who has seen affliction, and I'm glad. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with much grief. Jeremiah saw affliction. This is not just a statement for this period. He's called the weeping prophet for a reason. His entire ministry, 52 chapters. From the beginning when the Lord says, you'll preach and they'll never listen to you. You'll preach and they'll never hear you. They'll rebel, but you will declare my word to them again. I am a man who has seen affliction. This is what we must do tonight. It's not, I am a man who avoids affliction, who turns away from it, who ignores it, who pretends like it's not real. I, this is a feeling thing. I'm trying to have you feel this. There's emotion. There's holy emotion. There's lament. The problem with us in America is that we tell people just to be quiet. And what do we say to the sad person in their suffering? Don't cry. Why would we say such a thing? Don't cry. God made us to cry in our sadness and sorrow. Don't cry. Oh, don't worry. Que sera, sera. Oh, you got to move on. You got to move on. Took a deacon one time. We were trying to make a visit. I'm not picking on deacons. It was just, it was just not a good day for this fellow. You just got to move on, Fred. After we got in the car, why did, you add, why did you tell Fred just to move on? Well, he needs to get over that. He needs to get over it. This is our challenge. This is why I'm spending this much time on Sunday nights with whoever I've got to teach us personally how to lament for our, in our sufferings, but to help others when they're suffering. Because real Christians do ministry to people who are in misery. You remember the beatitude we studied? Blessed are the merciful. Merciful people see the misery of others and they show mercy. So holy lament, number one, is a personal confession of suffering. So I'm, I'm giving you now, so in, in the first 14 verses, you have repeatedly this pronoun, he. Here's what it's saying. God, and I'll, I'll use the word God here instead of he, all right? Notice, I am a man who has seen affliction because, because of the rod of his wrath. Oh, how we, how we must remember, dear friends, the love of God, the love of God spurned, the love of God rejected leads to His judgment. 
We don't understand it. We don't know why. But when men and women refuse the truth of the gospel, will not believe the gospel, going to go their own way, live in selfishness and ungodliness, there finally comes a time, the grace of God, finally God gives them over to what they want. And all around us today are people who are living out what they wanted. And they're miserable in what they want. I am a man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. Now, let's just read it. God has driven me and made me walk in darkness, not in light. Surely against me, God has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. God has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. God has broken my bones. God has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In the dark places, God has made me dwell like those who have long been dead. God has walled me in so that I cannot go out. God has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, God shuts out my prayer. God has blocked my ways with hewn stone. God has made my paths crooked. God is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. God has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. God has made me desolate. God bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. God made the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inner part, inward parts. I have become a laughing stock to all my people, their mocking song all the day. God has filled me with bitterness. God has made me drunk with wormwood. God has broken my teeth with gravel. And God has made me cower in the dust. A holy lament. The holy lament is a personal confession of suffering. I live in darkness, not in light. This, this is the description. This is a confession of suffering. I live in darkness, not in light. I sense God's resistance every day. God resists the proud, dear brothers and sisters. This includes us. God resists the proud. Here's Israel in their sin. Here, Jeremiah sees it. He sees his own sinfulness. God resists us day after day. I have pain in my body. Suffering produces pain in the body, and I have pain in my mind, bitterness and distress. I have known deadness like the dead. I gave you the NLT reading of it, New Living Translation. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. I'm, I'm living among the dead. I'm, I'm just as if I'm dead. My suffering is so bad. I've known bondage like a heavy chain. I'm just I'm bound up with these chains. And my suffering is like chains. I've known unheard prayer. Though I cry and shout, He has shut out my prayers. I have known detours and crooked ways of life. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall and He has made my road crooked. I want to go, I want to move forward, but I'm blocked. And every way I go, this suffering, it's taking me on all kinds of life detours, keeping me from my goals, destroying my future hopes and my thoughts. 
I have known utter helplessness and loss. He has torn me in pieces. I have known the painful reality of suffering. He has made me the target of his arrows. I'm God's target, the sufferer says. I'm God's target. And he shoots his arrows deep into my heart. I have known mockery from others while I suffer. Some laugh. Some are happy. Some are happy when someone suffers. Because what do we say? They deserved it. They deserved it. Here we see whether, whether we like it or not or comfortable with it, the prophet of God speaks about God's ways in bringing about suffering and the consequences of it. Now here it has to do with sin, but all suffering of all kinds has the same kinds of feelings and emotions within it. So holy lament is a personal expression of suffering. It's first a confession, but it's a personal expression. So at the end now we come. So I'm only going to do through verse 18, then we'll apply these things for a few moments. And I want to talk to you just as your pastor about this a little bit more. But I want us to see now the transition. So... Let's go back up and we'll pick up and read from verse 15 just to feel the rhythm of it. I should have read on through 18 to have you feel. God has filled me with, with bitterness. God has made me drunk with wormwood. God has broken my teeth with gravel. And God has made me uh, cower in the dust. As I described to you there in verses 15, 16 on your outline. And then he says, my soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. This is where, this is the, this is the bottom. Speaking to a man the other day with one of our brothers and he was talking about his despair. He said, it's, I feel... I feel fear, then I feel terror. He moved his hand down. I feel fear, I feel terror, and then I feel nothing. Why is it that people have to drink alcohol? Why is it that people have to take narcotics? I feel nothing. Or in my suffering, I want to feel nothing. Because when I feel, yes, keep going. When you feel, there is an opportunity to change. So my strength has perished. Now we come to the conclusion. He describes his inner person. He first describes all of these external things mixed with emotions. Things happening to his body, things happening in his mind. God has filled me with bitterness. God has made me drunk with wormwood, or as the NLT reads, God has made me uh, a cup of sorrow to drink. 
And God has broken me down to the ground. He made me chew on gravel and roll in the dust. My strength, this Hebrew word strength is a word that means to endure. My endurance has vanished. The word perish in Hebrew is the word that means to vanish. It's gone. My endurance has vanished. My endurance, I can't do it anymore. I've gone as far as I can. I can't handle anymore. These are things that every one of us have heard from our dear friends who are in suffering. But we quickly run to say, well, let's just tell you it'll be okay. But right now it's not okay. And as I said to you a few weeks ago, my brothers and sisters, as we minister to people, remember some people carry some of their sorrows all the days of their life and they never get over it. And they can still live for the Lord and have joy in the Lord Jesus and be an overcomer. I again remind you that the Lord Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with great grief. That's our Lord. How can we walk on the earth in the midst of the godlessness and wickedness, first of our own hearts, and then to see the effects of sin in the world and not have a permanent sorrow that leads us to pray and share the gospel? You see, some have taught, well, if you're right with God, you'll never suffer. What another great heresy. Oh, you will suffer for your sin, but you will also suffer for righteousness. When we study the Beatitudes, what is, the, what is that? Is, what is the final? Some call it the step to heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So holy lament is a personal confession of suffering. What I'm saying is, for some of you who are suffering... Something's happened in your life. You've carried it for a long time. Yes. Take a piece of paper and personally confess how you feel. Write it down. Write it down on a piece of paper and look at what you've written. Write it down. I'm in the darkness. God's against me. My body is racked with pain. My mind is filled with bitterness and distress. I feel like a dead man or woman. I feel like I'm in bondage. God doesn't hear a thing I say when I pray. My life is filled with detours and crooked paths because of what I've done in my suffering. I am helpless and I am at a loss. I am the target of God, and I suffer mockery from those who would attack me. And then you say it, I can't go any further. Have you ever sat with someone who's said that? My strength is gone. And so has my hope from the Lord. Oh, now wait a minute. You can't say that about God. 
We run, we run quickly to have a theological lesson. I promise you that the school, the greatest school of theology is the school of suffering. You will learn more about the ways of God and the ways of man in suffering than ever in happiness and joy, joyful times. So holy lament is a personal confession and holy lament is a personal expression. The point is, here's the expression. He said all of these confessing, all of this suffering, and now he says it. I'm done. I have no more. I'm out of words. I'm exhausted. My strength has perished. My endurance has vanished. And I have no hope from God. I am a hopeless person in my condition. You see, we need the sinner to get to that place so they might be saved. But we run too quick to say, well, you're going to be okay. Here, read this devotional. Here, here, just turn on some music. It, it troubles us to see someone troubled. I only say to you as you read the Gospels, watch how the Lord Jesus dealt with people who were troubled and learn from Him. Third, holy lament kills something. It kills self-confidence. You see, He's now declared it. My strength is gone. My hope from the Lord. My soul has been rejected from peace. Verse 17. My. Me. My. This is the great problem with us all. If any man wishes to follow me, our Lord says, number one, deny yourself. That's a big job, isn't it? Every day. No to self and yes to the Lord Jesus. My, my soul. My soul knows no happiness. My strength has perished. My hope from the Lord is gone. I want to remind you of Ecclesiastes 7.8. You can make a note and study it sometime. It's a very important passage because here's what we're learning about suffering. You have to get to the bottom. What did the man say to me? I was fearful. I was terrorized. And then I was dull and numb. Here's the bottom. I'm down here. Pastor Mike, this is where I'm down here. You are. You're down there. To get down there, you have to go down before you can come up. You have to go down before you can come up. Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 7, 8, The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness. The prodigal standing in the pigsty finally came to himself. The prodigal in the pigsty, that stinking, nasty, you people have been around pigs lately. My son, out where he lives. Hey, Dad, I'm going to get a pig. No, I don't even want to. I'm not even going to come see you if you have a pig. 
I want to read to you from Paul, 2 Corinthians 1. Paul says, For we do, we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia. Now, this is righteous affliction, but it's affliction. That we were burdened. Please look at the words of, the, of Paul. We think Paul's this super saint. Man, he just like glided across the top. Man, he got all this done. He spent most of his time in jail. You do know that, don't you? He was in the jailhouse. The Lord says, you're going to speak before kings. And imagine Paul saying, how is that going to happen? I'm in the jailhouse. Listen, I want you to be aware. Not a, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, of our, inflict, of our affliction which came on us in Asia. We were burdened excessively beyond our strength. So that we, wait a minute, wait, are you reading these words? So that we despaired even of life. I wish I was dead in heaven. Did I just read that from Paul? Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, but I've underscored for you the part I wanted you to see. So that we would not trust in ourselves. This is part of the school of suffering. You have to get beyond yourself. And so holy lament prepares for renewed hope in God. And we'll get to that as we move along in the weeks ahead. So what do we remember tonight from all of these things, from just these observations from the first 18 verses? Well, I quote to you from one of the early church fathers, Gregory of Nyssa. It's a very good statement. I want you, I'm going to read it. I want you to think about it. It is impossible to live without tears who considers things exactly as they are. If you really look at the world as it really is, you will cry. You will weep. You will have sadness. We're in a little bubble. We American Christians. It's almost like a pretend world. And we want to pass it on, the pretend world, to our children, but this is not a good thing for us to do. What I appreciate, I remember uh, in our uh, church in California, we were all young, and, and we had a great, good old godly deacon, Delbert. Delbert said, you got to put a mark on your kids' hearts. What are you talking about? You know, we knew everything. We were 28 years old. When you're 28, you know everything. What are you talking about, Delbert? Delbert's like 70 years old. You got to put a mark on your heart, your kids. Okay, well, what are you talking about? He said, take them to the nursing home. Take them to the hospital. It was a different day now. Take them to the hospital. Take them down to the children's ward. And let them see the children. We put those people away. We don't want to see that. We all understand in here that the early church was the hospitals of the ancient world. It is impossible to live without tears who consider things exactly as they are. I give you also Ecclesiastes 7.14. I didn't put it in your outline. In the day of prosperity, be happy. 
But in the day of of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Secondly, suffering should be taken personally and expressed personally. I've sat with families sometimes in their sorrow, and here's, here's, uh, here's uh, the, the children with their mom or their dad. Oh, mom, don't say that. Oh, dad, don't say that. Let them say what they want to say. What they're saying is making you uncomfortable. But they need to say it. Let them say it. When we all go to visitation, let them say it. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to give them a verse. Yes. Pastor Mike, I have nothing left. Yes, you don't. You don't. Let them get there. Let them find their way and encourage them. You need to speak to God about this. Have you ever written this down? Have you written down how you feel? And someone's a shock. You want them to write that down? Yes. And read every word of it. And tell God about it. I am the man who has seen affliction. My strength has perished And so has my hope from the Lord. That's number two. Suffering should be taken personally and expressed personally. That's chapter 3, verse 1 and chapter 3, verse 18. Lament and suffering accepts the mystery and reality of suffering. It names the suffering and expresses the suffering. Paul said, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. It's a mystery. Lord, why would you lock up Paul the majority of the time you had this super unbelievably brilliant Jewish man. You send him to the Gentiles and you lock him up. And he has some thorn in the flesh. He can't... Why do some of God's finest people suffer the most? Don't come and ask me. I don't have an answer. You might go find your favorite preacher and look up what they have to say. Lament and suffering accepts the mystery. Lament and suffering accepts the reality. It names it. And it expresses it. Lament and suffering doesn't seek to do anything to change suffering. Well, we're going to rid the world of suffering, so the world says. (laughs) But the world lies in the hands of the evil one. You think he'll ever... Want that to happen? Of course not. How shall I admonish you? What shall I compare you to, O daughter of Jerusalem? To what shall... It's all questions. It's all questions. What do I say? What do I... How do I... Comp... How do I... How do I... Your ruin is as vast as the sea, and who can heal you? And what did Paul say? Death works in us. This is a mystery. 
But this is how you, you accept suffering. Death works in us, but life in you. Someone told me today about a circumstance they're in and how they were sad about it until they realized, no, this is the will of God for me in Christ Jesus. And it's real suffering. Lament and suffering leads through uh, the difficult healing operation. You see, this is where I'm trying to say the school of suffering will bring you somewhere. But you have to go through it, not around it. You have to go through it. And what we do as brothers and sisters in Christ, we notice what the passage Paul says. We weep with those who weep. We don't correct those who weep. Or, you know, say happy thoughts to those who weep. We weep with the weeper. We have same-mindedness. We, we allow suffering to lead us through the difficult healing operation that must be accepted through suffering. This is why Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. I prayed three times for the Lord to remove the thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. doesn't matter what it was. It was great suffering. It was a great affliction. My grace is sufficient for power is perfected in weakness. So I say my strength has perished. Ah, you're almost there. You're almost there. Yes. Keep going. Go to where you finally put your hands up and say, I can do nothing else. Power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And praise God, Lament and suffering prepares for renewed hope in God. We're just about there. But you all have stayed with me for three weeks where we've talked about, well, this may, may be the most some of you have ever heard about suffering and preaching in all your life. I could have gone verse by verse through chapter 2, but I decided not to. Suffering is our teacher. Our Lord. This is what I'll close with. Suffering is our teacher. Go, go, go think about tonight, Hebrews 5.8. Our Lord, He learned obedience from the things He suffered. That's for all of us. That's for all of us. Why are you putting me through this? He learned obedience through the things he suffered. To the praise of the glory of his grace, the Lord is near to the door, my brothers and sisters. Oh, Shauna, thank you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessed word. We thank you for Jeremiah saying these things that he said so that we might learn to say what we must say in our suffering and to walk with others who need to say what they need to say and we might be an encouragement to them. 
Heavenly Father, bless my brothers and say, I know who's here tonight. They have impact on many lives. Their own children, their own grandchildren, some of them, great-grandchildren, others' friends. Help us to learn how to walk alongside those who are struggling. Not to try to fix them, but to walk with them so that they would finally come to the end of their troubles and find hope, hope in Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us, Lord, as we consider this in our own life. Some of us carry deep, hard suffering from our past. Painful, difficult. We bury it, we hide it. It haunts us every day. May we find our way to the paper and pad and may we write our lament and give it to you so that we might experience hope. Hope that comes in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through our sufferings. And may we be a church that would please you, Lord Jesus, in walking with others and encouraging them. Encourage our hearts tonight. Sober us from these truths. May we think about them. May we meditate on them. We have much to learn. We pray for those suffering friends that we talked about at the beginning and we prayed for. We present them to you again tonight as we leave. Here they are. You know who they are. You know what they're doing. You know what they've done to themselves. You know the condition they've put themselves in. Many of them are given over to godless wickedness. We pray for your mercy and grace. And we pray for others who stand for the gospel, who suffer deeply tonight. May you bless them all with what they need from your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Good to see you. May the Lord bless you. Hope to see you Sunday as we continue to look to Jesus surviving the holidays. Remember, if you know someone that would like to come, please let them know. Say hello to somebody on your way out. God bless you. Good to see you tonight. Have a good evening.